Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information to normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Uh, today, I'm joined by Dr. Alan Miller. He's the owner of Doctors Cannabis Consulting. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Miller. It's a pleasure to have you today. Hey, Chip, thank you very much. I really appreciate you inviting me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just really honored, and I'm pleased to be able to get the latest news out that I think that'll make people happy. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to hear it. Uh, before we get into uh, kind of the latest news, that sort of thing, um, why don't you tell me about your background, your medical background, and how you got started in the cannabis space? I, I got into cannabis really very late. Uh, my father was a Los Angeles police officer. Uh, and I remember going through the jails at the age of seven years old, watching people go through uh, withdrawals. And my father would say, oh, this is what drugs do. So I, I'm I'm of that baby boomer generation and scared the living hell out of me. So I didn't talk I didn't even touch cannabis thinking that all the things that would go wrong would and subsequently until very late in life. Uh, I played football and sports. I be, I was a bodyguard for some stars. I did my own stunts, which means I was hurt constantly. I rode horses, broke my back, feet, you name it, I've broken it. And I lived in chronic pain. And I was taking opioids because I'm in the medical profession. I've worked with U.S. track and field. So those things were not foreign to us. We just used them. And I used them to, uh, much like any other athlete, to be productive. Well, now that, now that things are changing and they're harder to get, um, it was necessary for me to come off the, the drugs. And I wasn't about to go to rehab. wasn't going to happen. And one of my assistants actually worked in a dispensary, was quite knowledgeable about it, and she actually helped me, goes, why don't you just, why don't you just go and do marijuana? Why don't you just do that? And uh, so she took me down, helped me get my first recommendation card, and that's what started me on the journey through medical marijuana, CBDs, and, and all these other products, which later turned out, as, as we will discuss, into what I'm currently doing. It was completely by accident. Well, that's that's really the first thing that I want to talk to you is the use of cannabis as an exit drug. Um, you know, just I've said this on uh, on the show a few times how I use cannabis, and I, and I just want to kind of give you the breakdown. Um, I, I I haven't used alcohol in in three years, and I credit much of that success to cannabis. Um, I use cannabis throughout the day in small amounts to mitigate my own pain. I microdose with edibles to ease anxiety, but at night and the weekends, I certainly consume more and more potent cannabis. Uh, I basically replace getting blackout drunk with upping my cannabis intake. And and when I really want to drink, I smoke, and the urge passes. Admittedly, I was never hooked on opioids, you know, but. Um, but for me, it is it has helped me get off of alcohol, uh, and and so I know that alcohol and opioids are you know they're, they're not the same thing. Um, but can you tell me more about you know the the studies that have been done and and your experience uh, with with patients uh, helping them use cannabis as an exit drug? Yeah, and and you and I use it very similar. Um, I you know I got. I shattered both feet and I got a tremendous amount of pain. And regardless of the severity of the injury, pain is pain. And I like to say that it decreases your focus and your, your, your productivity because you're concentrating on pain. So you aren't able to do what we do. Uh, opioids were great for that, but they also sped you up too. If, if it weren't for opioids, I don't think I could have spent nine years trudging with the 
the Olympic teams in Africa. Be that as it said, the, the hardest thing about being in pain or severe pain for, and this is for anybody is you feel like you're walking through mud. You need to keep, and your, but your brain keeps going faster. So you need something that's going to take away the pain so your body can keep up with your brain and not be exhausted all the time. That's the feeling I had with, with opioids. Cannabis, I had to really work hard to find the correct measure of THC to CBDs to get the almost the same effect. And I went through a plethora of products that I was able to bring to my patients. So I'm kind of, the nice thing about it is I'm able to speak at firsthand experience and say, yeah, I've been there, done that. This is what works for me. This is, and then make the adjustments and go from there. But very similar to what you're doing. I do the same thing. There's not a lot of research out there. So why do you think uh, that cannabis works as an exit drug? The one thing I, I think that everybody needs to understand is the one thing that the brain wants to be is happy. That's its job in life is to make you happy. Um, it, it fights off pain. It fights off. It cleans you. It does all those things. But at the end of the day, it looks for things to make you happy. Opioids make you happy. It, the brain can even manufacture more pain to increase your drug intake. That's how powerful it is. So what's nice about cannabis is it fills up those receptor sites and makes you slowly transition. Now, in my case, I would just forget to take, when I started on the, I didn't know what to expect. So I really did this DIY. I really kind of embedded it up as I go. There were, as you said, there was no research. There was really nobody around to coach me and teach me how to do this. So I kind of made it up as I went, failed and then uh, succeeded, so on and so forth. But I found that it made my brain happy. And when my brain was happy and I felt good, I just would forget to take the opioids. And then sooner or later, I thought, okay, I'm now down half and I wasn't having any repercussions from it. I wasn't having any, you know, bad effects, withdrawals, anything like wow. that. So, and again, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to tell you this was planned, buddy, but it was really by accident. I, I, I kind of fumbled my way through it. I, I kind of like to say, I, I, I kind of like just bumbled and fumbled my way through this thing and, and found what worked and it's worked on the other patients. So, and if you'd like me to describe that, I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you about it. Oh, yeah, abs absolutely. I'd, I'd love to hear the, the process that you go through with patients. What we did is, now, we had, we had some similar uh, problems here. Is I own functional medicine clinics. So, my, my, my expertise goes back to functional medicine, which is a, which for your audience is probably the best way, if you're searching for a doctor, look for a functional medicine doctor because they will use natural products over prescriptions, but they're gonna use prescriptions too, but they're really up to date with bioidentical hormones, all the things that you've ever heard about. So with that experience, nutrition is a big part of it. So I changed my nutrition. And, I'll, and one of the things I found hard about edibles was, one of my doctors stated it's, it's just junk food with pot in it. So we had to really, <laughs> find it we had to find you know the right you know organic pieces and, and thank god that's getting better but what i found is is like i said if i if i took enough where the cbds were i could almost mimic the opioid feeling of no pain or acceptable pain something that i could deal with then i could i could do my daily work 
And it only took me about a month to get off the opioids, which wow. is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, so what I did was this is I just, and this is completely contrary to what you usually hear. And, and, and you'll know what the minute I say it is, I just bombarded my system with as much CBDs as I possibly could and, and THC to find out where the balance was. I just shotgunned it. I found out where the, do- I kept a journal, found out which dosages worked, and then continued from there. And as I said, um, I was not concentrating on the opioids. I wasn't concentrating on the pain. I was more concentrating on how to get off of it and do this that I would literally forget to take the opioids, and that's how I got off of it. And I've had absolutely no compunction to go back. And I live a fairly, I, I lead a fairly active lifestyle. And I'm 61. Not bad. That's no, that's really incredible. A month. I mean, that's almost unheard of. I, it, and it really wasn't difficult. And I, and I got to tell you, I'll, I'll be very transparent with you. I've been on these things off and on for 30 years. Wow. My first broken back, I got stabbed with Jerry Garcia way back in the day and broke my back <laughs> at a concert. So, yeah, I was bodyguarding Jerry Garcia. Wow. And, and so, I've, you know, I, I've had my share of, I do my own stunts is, is probably the best way to say it. So, I, I, about a month, I was off. It, I really, and you know what's most important about people, and I'd like to say this to the, and speak to those people in pain. It's not so much the pain, is the fear of the pain and the fear of being stranded and unable to move. That is the biggest fear that I felt as a chronic pain patient. I used to carry pain pills in my pocket. I was scared to death that I'd get to a point where I'd be incapacitated. That, that scared me more than anything else. As somebody who, who does experience pain and whose back is locked up on him and you know left him bedridden for days, I mean, that is a very real fear. Um, you know, when, when you, you, you can't go anywhere because you're, you know, you're afraid, oh, I'm not going to have my medicine and it really does impact your life. I mean, incredibly. Oh, it's whole, it shaped your life, Tim. Look what it, if you think back, look at the things that stopped you from doing because of the fear of being incapacitated somewhere. Oh, I'll do that. My back will lock up. It really, it becomes now becomes a lifestyle issue. And have you, have you mixed in, I mean, you, this is probably kind of a stupid question, but have you also adapted a, uh, a workout regimen to go along with the cannabis uh, therapies? Oh, God, no. No, uh, no. <laughs> no, only because I should, and I recommend my patients, you know, to do that and work out this. Um, I still work with horses. Um, I lead a fairly active life. I've been meaning to, but... I, I've been on the road for like the last four weeks, so I, I, I just haven't had a chance into it. My biggest, my biggest suggestion for patients is Pilates. I think Pilates is probably one of the, it got me walking again after one of my accidents. I think Pilates is probably one of the best stretching exercise, all around exercises you could ever do for, for your body. Bar none. I'm going to have to remember that. Um, <laughs> so I'll, get you some, yeah, I'll get you some great names. It's, it, it's the easiest. It was made for, it was the, the story behind it's fascinating. And I, I won't take up the time for that, but it's for an overall individual to do anything in this world. Uh, that's, I've found that that's the best that works. 
So I want to I want to kind of go back to the opioid thing a little bit. Uh, ask you about the statistics. A recent University of California study published in the Drug and Alcohol Dependence Journal found a 23 percent reduction in opioid related hospitalizations related to abuse and dependence in states with legal cannabis, and a 13 percent decrease in ER visits for opioid overdose doses in those states. Um, to what do you attribute this correlation? I work with this in the insurance department and there is a percentage of people that became addicted to opioids. And I, I can say that I'm one of them out of necessity. I had, I had a job to do and that came first. And subsequently we sacrificed our bodies by taking this, that population base is, is again, looking for quality of life. Remember at the end of the day, this, in my opinion, this is a quality of life issue. Do you want to be, drugged out of your mind or possibly die, or do you want to be productive in some way, shape or form? And I think cannabis allows that to happen and people are seeking out the alternatives because the patients nowadays are so much smarter than a lot of the doctors I, the, that I see. It's, it's, uh, and, and I recommend this for everybody. Know your body, know what it needs, know what it has to do because you're the only steward of your body. You really shouldn't put it in the hands of everybody else. You should put it in the hands of a doctor that will actually listen to you and come up with some sort of solution that, that works within everything that you want. That's the best way to look at it. To, to up your statistics anymore, in Utah, where we're just rolling out our program, we have six dying a day. 94% of all doctors give uh, opioids on the first visit. We're seeing addictions start within a week. And here's what's funny about this. It's, it's ironically funny, is that opioids actually retard your healing process. They're given post-surgery for, for post-surgical for a lot of different things. And let's just say it's broken leg. That's kind of very common. It actually, they actually retard bone growth. So what happens is, is because the bone growth is retarded, you're not healing up. It sets off the brain, so it sets up the scenario for chronic pain. For which, what do we do? We take more opioids. So it gets into this long circle, this never-ending circle that the person's in pain, never heals upright, and so on and so forth, and it keeps going on until the opioids are stopped. Then the body can pick up and start healing again. So would you say that in these states where we're seeing uh, these statistics where we are seeing reductions, do you think that that's a combination of you know, doctors being more versed on cannabis as well as more informed patients? I, oh, I think it's more informed patients. The doctors in this, remember, this is still technically illegal and nobody wants to lose their phony baloney jobs. But off the record, they will say, uh, I recommend it. I don't get in the way of it. For instance, I, I know the team doctor for the, the, the Giants, New York Giants. And uh, like I said, he's a neurologist, so CTE is a big issue. And he, uh, he doesn't get in the way, he recommends it, he doesn't dispense it, he doesn't do any of that, but he's not gonna stand in the way because look at the anecdotal evidence. The insurance company I work for, same thing. Look at the anecdotal, we have nothing to lose. Let's try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It, it's not gonna cause any harm. So I think more doctors are going in that direction, but I think the population base and, and, and really, Thank God to the population base moving this forward, almost like crowdfunding, that doctors are picking it up 
and doctors are saying, okay, I'm not going to get in the way. Let's just monitor it. And I, I think the patient is more teaching the doctor than the doctor is teaching the patient, in my experience. Well, and I mean, nobody wants, nobody wants to be a drug addict, you know? It's... No, they don't. Uh, you know, again, go back to the simplest, and I said this earlier, but I think it's, it's I, I need, we need to look at this. The brain needs to be happy. And we are being bombarded by a, a lot of, we are constantly in an inflammation process due to the environment, food, water, outdoor stresses. Uh, we're working much more hours than we did before. We're just constantly being bombarded. There's a great book. One of my favorite books is about um, anti, being anti-fragile by a, a, an author by the name of Talib. And, uh, or Talib, I'm sorry, Talib. And these factors are making us more fragile. More fragile means we're in more pain and we're looking for a better life. That's what human beings do. We, we look for a better life. Some people give up and some people just keep going, much like you do. You just keep going and then you found a solution that works. And, and I, hopefully that's what prevails. So I want to talk to you a bit more about the role of cannabis in uh, sports medicine. But before we do that, we got to take our first break. This is the Entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall. This episode of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast is made possible by Name.com, a global provider of domain name, web hosting, and email services. Every successful cannabis business needs an online presence, and every successful online presence begins with a domain. From your website to your email address, a good domain is easy for your customers to remember, it looks nice on a business card or billboard, and it reflects the true identity of the project it represents. It's important to reserve your domain early on when you are starting your business, as you may find that the .com address for your preferred brand or concept has already been taken. If somebody has already purchased the ideal .com for your business, they might be willing to sell it, but if they aren't, you may have to get creative with one of the new alternate domain extensions, such as .co, .club, .shop, or even .farm. Reserve your domain name today at name.com slash gondrepreneur. If you are a domain name investor or venture capital firm interested in acquiring or advertising premium cannabis domains, go to the Gondrepreneur domain market to browse a wide variety of names, including strains.com, cannabismedia.com, mj.com, and countless others. Discover branding opportunities for your next startup and learn about listing your premium domain names for sale at gondrepreneur.com slash domains, sponsored by name.com. Welcome back to the gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Dr. Alan Miller, owner of Doctors Cannabis Consulting. Uh, before the break, we uh, touched a little bit about the uh, role of cannabis in sports medicine. Uh, previously on this podcast, I interviewed Jim McAlpine, who's the founder of the 420 Games, about this very thing. And he said that cannabis can be used during all phases of working out, but especially useful for cool down periods. Um, as somebody who has worked in sports medicine, what's your take on using cannabis as an athlete? And what might you recommend for athletes as well as weekend warriors? Well, one, I know Jim really well, and Jim's completely right. Jim's brilliant. Uh, and what he's done with the 420 games, I think, is, is, is fantastic because it shows 
look at the quality of the energy. The biggest problem that we have in the cannabis industry right now, from baby boomer standpoint, is the stigma. We're all scared to death from because we all had, at some point in our past, we had somebody that did 20 years for a roach. And I remember those days. So they're very afraid. But back to this, I just had a great discussion in Colorado on this, on is it a performance enhancing drug? And I want to bring you back to um, Sean, Sean White, who got a gold medal, theoretically stoned out of his mind and tested positive for <laughs> marijuana. OK, I'd, I'd like to throw that in the mix for a minute. But look what what it does. And, and let's break it down. I wrote an article about this. But here's what it does. When when cannabis comes in, it opens up the blood vessels. You're able to tap into your glycogen stores and that's your energy. That's one. Two. It's an anti-inflammatory, so it helps you repair yourself faster than you would normally. It, it Think of cannabis as kind of like lube for bodies. It makes it work, it makes everything work in this wonderful organism we call a human body. So it makes everything work right. It opens up the alveoli in the lungs, so you're, you're getting more air in. And the more air in, obviously, the faster you can go. And if it takes away the pain and helps you recover faster, then your focus would be better, correct? Because you don't have to waste your time on, am I heard, am I, am I up to par? You feel great, and obviously that gives you confidence. And every sport is mental. Where the mind goes, the body follows. And, and Jim and I hold this same, this same philosophy, is that it should be used, I think it should be used from the time you're born to combat every other environmental issue out there, frankly. But I think it should be used for cool down for sports, for any activity, for the industrial athlete out there, for, for the guy that sits in the cubicle for 10 to 12 hours a day staring at a computer. If you don't think that's stress, God, try it. Um, so I think that all industrial athletes and, and conventional athletes need this to help their body work right, to have a better quality of life. And that's what we're all here for. So you've mentioned a couple of times um – about uh, your your project in uh, in Utah dealing with uh, workers' compensation insurance, um, can you really get into the details of this? Because I'm absolutely fascinated at at, at this whole program, the whole prospect of it. I, I'd love to, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to do so. And and I got to compliment uh, my counterpart, an individual by the name of Dave Oakton of SNC Claim Systems in in in. Nevada. He and I have been friends for, oh God, 25 years. And I've been their forensic soft tissue specialist for that amount of time. And, and we go hunting and fishing together and so on and so forth. So we know each other and, and he knew of all the injuries I had. And uh, I recently had lunch with him about, I guess it goes back two years and this is how this started. He goes, Hey, you're walking better. You look better. You're fe- it looks like you're feeling better. What would you do? And I said, you're you're not going to believe this. I got off the opioids and, I, and I'm, I'm using medical marijuana and CBDs. And he goes, really? And we'd be very interested if you put a program together and we'd influx it in for our chronic pain and opioid dependent patients, chronic pain for workers' comp injuries. Okay. I said, okay, great. I'll just copy mine. And that's how it started two years ago. And we put together the program and now we're rolling out in five states, New Mexico, Nevada, California, Arizona, up into Utah, and we're going east. And this is paid for by the insurance company for people with chronic pain using very similar methods to what I did, very similar products to what I've discovered and found out. And, and, 
and it's working very, very well. We're seeing a, 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 an excellent rate. We haven't really released it yet. Actually, the exclusive on this. So this is really the first time I'm talking about it. So what's exciting here is the insurance company is going, well, wait a minute here. It doesn't cause any harm. We got nothing to lose. But there, there was no, I mean, we're talking insurance companies. We're talking corporations. There so You're right. For something that's federally illegal, they're not concerned about losing licensing or. Well, here's the here's the issue. Look at let's look at New Mexico for a minute. And this just happened very, very recently. New Mexico passed a law about an individual who sued. He was an injured worker that sued the insurance company for repayment for the amount of money that he spent to self-medicate using marijuana. And the court agreed. The insurance company had to re- reimburse him. That's landmark. Think about it for a minute. That's landmark. They paid for his medical marijuana. Now, yes, it's yes, it's illegal federally, but it's legal in the state of New Mexico. So the insurance company said, came to me and said, well, we have two ways to go. We either ignore it and just let Alan do it, or we got to come out and then let him take the fall, which fine, or we figure out protocols and figure out the best way to handle this for everybody because this is the future. So they're way ahead of the game here. So I, I really got to commend the insurance company because, and you said it really very, very well. It's not just one insurance company. We got insurance companies behind that. We got corporations behind that. We got company presidents. We have attorneys and everybody agreed on this, which still seems to amaze me. But again, uh, it was it was out of luck. Completely by accident. What 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 is it going to take to get more? You know, this is a workers' comp insurance companies that you're talking about. What's it going to take to get you know your your other insurance companies, your consumer insurance companies on board? What's it going to take? Here's the biggest. Uh, boy, is this a great question? And and this is my pet peeve, and this is what I found in the marijuana. Let's call it the marijuana industry. And then we'll call it the medical industry. Here's the biggest issue. The marijuana industry loves to talk about anecdotal evidence. It saved this, it reduced this tumor, it had this issue. And I don't and I don't mean to be tried by saying what I'm about to say, but from an insurance speaking from my insurance executive consulting side is we don't care. That is third on the list of of the hierarchy of things that we want. First is we don't want to hurt anybody and cause more pain. Secondly, we don't want a liability problem. Thirdly, we want to save money. If it gets you better, that's fourth, fifth on the list. No offense, and I hope that doesn't, uh, so coming to the argument, so when the when I was originally looking at this and the marijuana industry was saying, oh, it does this, it helps me there, it, it does this, really, that was not the argument for me. How much money am I gonna save? How does this work? What are the downsides? We'll take the downsides. I just had an argument with somebody this the other day that brought a part to me and said, oh, it works 100% of the time. It was on a completely different subject. It works 100% of the time. No, it doesn't. Just give me the facts and the truth of what I can do, and then we can put it into a language for the insurance company, and that's what they want to know. Is it, one, is it going to cause anybody harm? No. Nice thing about the natural part of this is it won't. You can't OD on it. You know, everybody knows it can't OD on it. It can do anything. It can, will do everything positive to the body that it can do, providing it's given all the tools. And you, you had mentioned the cost aspect of it. 
is it cheaper than? Oh God, yes. And 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 I'll tell you what you know. You have no idea what we pay in the industry for things. And I'll give you I'll give you a great example. Our cost for for opioids, let's just say thirty oxycontin is on average four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Okay, for thirty for thirty pills. Oh yeah, we just get raped and pillaged on this. So it's so it doesn't cost it costs half the amount. But here's here's where the biggest savings comes have to remember that these these things out there the four the cocktail that was given to people and whether it was an industrial injury or it was just an injury period you got four things you got an anti-inflammatory you got an opioid you got an, you had something to make you go poo poo and then you got something that settled your stomach oh that's great so where we know opioids stalled the healing process the anti-inflammatories tore up the gut along with all the other things which caused leaky gut which made it an inability for the person to even absorb the nutrition's, nutritional supplements that they were given in their food. So subsequently they had this chronic inflammation that went on forever. They couldn't possibly heal because it's being inhibited to heal by the very drugs we're giving them to make them feel better. A little ironic, huh? Yeah, and the things that you just described, none of those, you, you, you don't need five pills with cannabis, you just need cannabis. Right. It's because we were made to be, you know, I have an old rancher philosophy. Excuse me. I'll slip on the cowboy boots because I am one. It's there because it's supposed to be there. Our body is made to take it. We have receptors for it. Whenever we do take it from a scientific standpoint, it makes the body work better. It's one of those integral things in this mass of chemicals like vitamin C and zinc and all the things that make us up makes it work better. How? Not quite sure yet. But it does in its natural. In its natural state, in fact, 5,000 years ago, we found, we, in, in recent times, we have found uh, prehistoric man carried it in, in his bags. It is the most complete food on the planet. You could actually eat this and live without anything else. <laughs> Seriously. It has every nutritional thing that you could ever possibly need. Well, prehistoric man, it's not like he could go to Arby's and get like a brontosaurus burger if there was no food on it, okay? <laughs> it's not going to work. But so looking back and taking the simplest thing is, oh, that was a box lunch. He could live on that. And he was able to hunt and gather and do all the things that they did. So our body is made to take it, just like vitamin C, zinc, everything else. Our body reacts positively to it. So my, my, I guess my philosophy is, why don't we just get out of the way and let the natural stuff work and see what happens from there? Well, I, I, I want to talk to you a bit more um, about some of the barriers uh, that exist in the traditional uh, medical system, insurance companies, doctors, that whole thing. But before we do that, we got to take uh, last break. This is the Godpreneur.com podcast on TG Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. 
We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis-friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Dr. Alan Miller, owner of Doctors Cannabis Consulting. Uh, before the break, uh, we were talking a bit about uh, uh, about kind of the more, um, you know, your, your, your work getting insurance companies to cover uh, treatments uh, throughout the U.S. and in legal states, I should say. Um, but what I want to ask you now is, is what do you think is, is the biggest barrier for skeptical doctors? Is it federal illegality or the lack of research? And, and the same goes for insurers. What, what is, what is th- that barrier? Uh, the barrier is this, is that the medical profession likes ease of use, likes consistency. Good or bad, it likes consistency. We know if you take an opioid, you can hit one every four hours. That we all produce an in, we all produce everyone produces what's called CP450. It's an enzyme in the liver, and what CP450 does is it breaks down and metabolizes any and all drugs that come into the body, whether it's natural, unnatural, whatever. The body knows, and with within that CP450, you have a hundred different enzymes. Those enzymes to that, for me personally, it's just like a fingerprint, which means that yours are completely different than mine. You metabolize things completely different, as does everybody on the planet. There is no two that are similar or alike. So that's the biggest problem in this, is that it reacts different to everybody else. Again, I go back to, it's a natural product. So it fills the need and whatever the body needs. So it gives the body really more autonomy, doesn't it? It, it? it reacts more on the innate possibilities of the body to run itself. And why are we getting in the way of that? Now, the medical profession loves consistency and they're very focused. And I'll cite a great one. GW Pharmaceuticals just made a, a, a CBD synthetic that works on, on uh, epilepsy. Great, it's very, it's very focused to that symptom. Problem. Six kids died. <laughs> now, wow! I know Tracy Ryan real well. Of can of kids, she gave her kid that it reduced the tumors in the kid, her daughter, 
Sophie, and and when, and I can I can state those to the cows come home. Nobody died. So the medical profession is very. It doesn't fit the medical profession. That's the problem with this. You're trying to take a very round product and put it into a very square hole with a lot of regimentation. They don't understand it. So they want research because what they're asking for is, God, tell me how to use this. Tell me how that I use it on this guy as opposed to this woman as opposed to this child. So your, your views obviously differ from traditional physicians. Um, do, you, do you think that as a practitioner of, of a more alternative medicine that you are more open to using cannabis therapies? Oh, I'm open to anything that works. There's some great stuff coming out of, uh, there's, there's an equivalent to marijuana in Africa. I was over there for nine years. There's, these plants are all over the world. This is not a new concept. Marijuana has been around for, we can trace back almost 5,000, 6,000 years. Um, the Arabs used to trade it and take it with them way back when. It, it, it's, it's a staple. It was just a staple like green beans and salad and all those other things. It was just part of the diet. And we worked well with it. I, we got away from that about the turn of the century after you know the Civil War and, and when industrialization in the United States came in, we became pseudo-sophisticated. And as we became more sophisticated and relied on our doctors and science started to take off, I think the human population kind of let go of their responsibility to the body and gave it to the doctor. Said, okay, tell me what I need because we got all this fancy new tech coming out we call pharmaceuticals. Now it's interesting that we're going back to the old ways. And that's what works best. We got so sophisticated, we screwed ourselves up, in my opinion. In my opinion. It caused us to be fragile. And now, now we're going back to that. And is this a silver bullet? I don't think anything is. But it's obviously needed in the body because we have receptors for it. And we know that it works. So somebody, regardless of whatever your religious persuasion is, something or somebody decided that we needed to have this. Now, who is it to anybody to take it away from us, is my personal opinion, if our body is made to use it in a positive way? How could that possibly be bad? Do do you think that it will ever see cannabis as a mainstream therapy, as as something that you you go to your doctor, you don't get a recommendation, but, you know, you you I hope not. I hope not. You hope not. That's no, I hope not. And this is why. And it's, it has nothing to do with wanting to have the product. That's immaterial. Let's take that off the table for a minute. Because you know what my feelings are. The medical profession is based on synthetics. The pharmaceutical company only makes synthetics. So it doesn't sell natural products. It's not how it works. To, so, again, round peg, square hole. You're taking a natural product that now they're going to have to synthesize, they're going to have to add things to for a symptom-based focused attack on a problem. Therein lies the problem. The minute that you change a natural plant, natural anything, and synthesize it, the body looks upon it as a toxin. It's not the drug that's, that's the problem within pharmaceuticals. It's the fillers that'll kill you. So it's completely two different philosophies. Do I think it's going to become mainstream? Yeah, and I don't know if the medical, the AMA is going to change on that. They've been around for a while. But I think from a patient population base, they're going, look at the mothers that are treating their children. Very, I'm just, I have to commend them. Look at the strength that they went through to take what was then an illegal drug and give it to their child. 
risking their literally safety on this. They could have gone to jail, a lot of different things. Yeah. So from a population base, I think, oh, yes. Do I think it's going to be mainstream? Yes, I do. We're paying for it at the insurance company level. So yeah. it is mainstream. Now, granted, we're in the baby steps. But this, this, there's going to have to be a change somewhere in this medical market because it's completely different and doesn't fit their philosophy. You follow? Absolutely. Does that, does that explain it? Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you have for um, listeners who, you know, may want to broach the subject with an ailing family member, you know, aunt, uncle, mother, father, who, you know, like, like you, you know, grew up in that era of, you know, this is the evil weed, that sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. what, what advice do you, would you have for those people looking to, to help their family members with cannabis? And, and you know what? It, it just amazes me. I have, I, I, I'm in the patient model. Um, and this just amazes me. I have, I have cancer patients that won't even consider it in their stage four because of the stigma. Um, they don't want to look like, they call it the doper. I find that fascinating. It's, it's, you're not going to get stoned. You're not going to be, and I make a joke about my mother and I, I went through this with my mother with Alzheimer's. I said, you know, mom, you're not going to be standing on a freeway with a sign, you know, we'll work for drugs. It, it, that's not going to happen. Um, it, it's really getting into it and having a doctor that says, yeah, it's okay. Let's try it in baby steps. Let's see if you feel better. Nothing's going to happen. But it, that, that, PR program that the government put on was extremely, extremely effective in scaring the living hell out of baby boomers. The younger generation, the millennials, are now growing up with their grandparents, taking it, it's normal, so we're not gonna see those issues. This'll, for lack of a better term, die off as we, but the biggest thing is, is really it's safe. Get them to somebody that's experienced it. I think this is what I bring to the table and the people that I work with bring to the table is, yeah, we understand. You're fine. I have a pretty good resume. You're not. You're not going to go to the depths of despair and end up on uh, our worst area in town. is called Skid Row. You're not going to be on the streets. This is going to help you. This is no different than vitamin C or something other else that makes the body help and heal itself. It's a tough conversation. Would you mind telling me how you approach this with your own mother? Yeah, I. I my mom. Uh, has Alzheimer's is dementia. She has COPD. She smoked for years. So you can understand the damage. And um, I went to my mom and I said, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I want you to take. Um, my mother and my dad are, are divorced. So I think part of my mom, my mom's drive to use this was to get back at my father because I think that was part <laughs> of it. But the minor part was I said, you know, mom, this is going to work. It's going to make you. It's not going to hurt you. not going to make you. It, it's you're, you're going to feel better. Let's see if it works. And she tried it. She did. She became more clear. Um, the, the, the body pain. And what was most interesting that I saw right away, as I said, she has COPD, which means that she has trouble pumping the air and blood through her, her lungs and her heart. It opened up the lungs and helped her breathe better. And she's on oxygen. It's amazing to watch how fast that her, her capillaries filled in her fingers. She has 99% um, capillary fill in her, in her fingers. That's amazing for somebody that's 83 years old with COPD. 
And that's what this that's what this product did. So she's breathing better. She's getting more tissues. Her brain is healing. The swelling is going down. We're chasing the symptoms and she's feeling better and she's and she's becoming more. She's able to, to, to be more functional. And yeah, she she recently fell and broke her, uh, had some compression fractures, a little back and killed the pain. I was up, had her walking right away with it. So it was really, yeah, I trust you, Alan. But, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm still her son. I'm not anything other than her son, you know. Yeah, the son with the doctor thing, but I'm still her son. So it, it was a tough conversation, but, and it took a couple of weeks, but finally, and I, and I, and I was the example that I used. I said, mom, you knew how bad off I was. And this is how I, I I'm not on the street. So it worked. And I was like, let's give it a shot. No, uh, I can still speak in, I think articulately about an issue. So she, by example, it, it made it easier, but it was a tough call. Tough. That, that's really incredible. Uh, Dr. Miller, we, we, we're about running out of time, but I really, really want to thank you for the opportunity to to speak with you at length about the projects that you're working on and the experience that you've had. Um, I had said before, you know, when we were in break, um, you know, just how enlightening this was for me. Um, and and I just want to reiterate that that how fascinating this conversation has been, and how again, how illuminating uh, your 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 knowledge base is for me. I appreciate it so much. Oh, my pleasure. And I got to, and thank you so very much. Um, I love talking about this, but don't underestimate where you play in this, this big information rush, things like this, the fact that you're going out and meeting people and, and, and getting people to talk about like Jim and I, and, and some of the other esteemed guests that you have, hopefully by example, a lot of people will, and this was a great statement. I'll, I'll segue with this. I was sitting on a panel with Brandon Lloyd, uh, NFL player, and he made the greatest statement of all time. He said, I don't know yet. I'm doing all the research. I don't know if it's right for me. I'm doing the research. That's all I want. Take a look at the research. Talk to people like us. Listen to people like you and make your decision. And we're all out there to help you. And, and the part you play is instrumental. You were the conduit. You're the you're the quarterback bringing everybody together to change this, and it is working. Look at the look at the statistics you just cited. It's working. It's not as fast as we'd like, but it's working. I I, I really do appreciate that. And and before we go, could you uh, could you tell people where they can find out more about you and uh, and and what you're doing? Sure, I'm on uh, right now. Believe it or not, this happens so fast. We have put, we're putting up our website now. Um, in fact, like I said, this is exclusive to you. We're just now coming up. But my my email address is, and, and please, welcome to email me on this. But my email address is dr, like in doctor, Allen, A-L-L-E-N-M-I-L-L-E-R, at gmail.com. And I'm on LinkedIn in, as Alan S. Miller. Please friend me. Come on, and I'd be more than happy. On Twitter, I'm D-R-A-S Miller, and I answer all the questions that you may have. I think it's whatever I can do to help. Brilliant. Well, th- thank you again so much for taking the opportunity to speak with us and, and your kind words. I, I, I appreciate it, and we appreciate it at Contrapreneur. Hey, uh, Tim, you're doing a great job, and, and your questions are great, and it allowed me to get the message out, and thank you. Sincerely appreciate it. Hey, man, you help people. What, what better thing is there than that? 
I, I I really do do my best, and and you know I couldn't do it without uh without the the great team that I have behind me. So uh, shout out to you guys too. Thank you, thank you. Nice meeting you. Anytime you need me, give me a yell. Absolutely. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and the Apple iTunes store. On Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfall. Gontrepreneur.com.